0: If you'd like to learn more, visit me at www.center, the four, selfcare.com, or email me at mark at centerforselfcare.com. Thank you and enjoy. Today we're going to talk about the four noble truths. Have you heard of the four noble truths? I think before? you've said it, said it before. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't recite them though. You, you don't have head. to. <laughs> uh, there I is think suffering. His life is suffering. Ah, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's what we usually see on coffee mugs and stuff like that, right? And so the way I think of it is that the first noble truth is there is suffering. So it's more an acknowledgement. That suffering exists than an acknowledgement that it's just going to be coming at us nonstop. <laughs> okay. So, thankfully, uh, the second noble truth is there's a cause of suffering. We'll do that next time. But the causes include things like grasping and aversion and delusion. So, wanting things, avoiding things, and just freezing or kind of deluding ourselves into thinking. The way we want the world to be is the way the world is, which is not how that works. The third noble truth is there's an end to suffering. So that's exciting. And it's not death, don't worry. And then there's a path to the end of suffering. So there's this concept of the wheel of samsara, kind of the wheel of suffering, that we're on a treadmill. You know, we're we're little gerbils spinning in a circle, uh, but that we can find our way gently off that treadmill. And there's the eightfold path, which includes things like, right speech and right livelihood, right effort that can be tools to kind of deal with suffering, maybe respond to pain in different ways because suffering is really just pain that we've reacted to. We can be in pain without truly suffering. It really depends on how our mind responds to that, that suffering. This the kind of these teachings are based off of a teaching that Jack Cornfield does, one of my favorite teachers, and uh, he has a great way of unraveling these four noble truths in a way that includes practice. So each one of them kind of has a practice. Like there's the there is suffering practice that we'll try out tonight. Four noble truths were the first teaching of the Buddha after he became enlightened. So somewhere in the fifth century B.C. The Buddha was born and he was a prince. He was born out of royalty and was very, lived a very sheltered life. His parents got a, kind of a seer to come visit them and say, what's, what's this guy, his name was Siddhartha, who wasn't named the Buddha at that time. Uh, you know, what's the future for Siddhartha? And the seer said, well, he's either gonna be a great ruler or a great religious figure. And the family was like, holy cow, we don't want him being a religious figure. We want him taking over the family business. We want him to be the king. So they didn't let Siddhartha out of their sight. They had a wall around the compound. They entertained him with dancing girls and games. And uh, whenever they had a teacher, as the teacher got older, they kicked the teacher out. They brought in a new young teacher. And so Buddha hadn't experienced life. Hadn't experienced suffering. He even got married. He had a kid without ever having left the walls of his of his home. And so when he was 29 years old uh, he said, I gotta see what's going on outside. And so one of his servants brought him outside and you know, the first thing he sees is a sick person. Like, what the hell's going on here? How could this be? And then he finds an old person, you know, somebody slushed over. It. Never seen an old person before. And then finally, he comes across a dead body. And, you know, particularly in India, uh, dead bodies, like, you put them in the charnel grounds. Like, you don't... You know, there's not... There's some ceremony, but you're not, like, bringing them to the funeral home to be prepared. Like, Buddha's like, what is going on? How does everybody deal with this suffering that's kind of normal and human, but i had been not exposed to before? And on the way back, he sees... Uh, an ascetic, basically somebody who had kind of let go of earthly possessions, and he has his bowl, uh, leading a simple life of begging and, and praying and reflecting, meditating, and so on. And he says, that's what I want to do. So the Buddha abandons his family. It's the bad part of the Buddha story. He's like, bye, wife. <laughs> bye, kid. I'm getting out of here. Goes into the world. And so there's kind of a skip in the story there, because he went out and he tried all of these practices of basically austerity. Uh, he even stopped eating. So he, he had, you know, a thousand grains of rice for a meal each day, and then each day he reduced the number of grains of rice till he was eating one grain of rice a day. And it didn't, well, it didn't really do anything for him. He didn't get to enlightenment through that practice of giving away everything. Because you're kind of, you're a renunciate. You're exiting the world. As opposed to embracing it. Ultimately, he sat under the Bodhi tree and he got enlightened, which was awesome. And he came to give this teaching of the Four Noble Truths. The first one, There is Suffering. It's interesting to me because I went to prep this today and I went outside, it was a beautiful day, sitting on a bench, and all of a sudden, three lawnmowers. And you know, it's the guy's on riding lawnmowers just going. And I'm like, I came here for peace. (laughs) And now you've got this. So our The point in practice really isn't necessarily about getting to peace. That could be the byproduct, but it's really about experiencing what we're experiencing in each moment. Jack Kornfield likes to talk about that the point isn't to perfect yourself, but to improve your capacity to love. So we'll try that out a little bit today. And so, this there is suffering. I mean, thinking about our culture, that, you know, what do we do with sick people? Well, we send them to the hospital. What do we do with old people? Send them to the nursing home. So, sure, like, we realize that these things exist. But we do try to kind of push them away and avoid them. And even in my experience, like, I don't want to feel unpleasant feelings. So I try to avoid them, everything I can do. And I try to orchestrate my world and controlling it doesn't do anything. Jack Hornfield says, there's a way in which we all deeply long to do the work of the heart. But we forget. We get so busy we might get caught. We forget to ask what needs attention. What's asking for my attention? Clearly the first step, the first instruction is stopping. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty hard to even carve out these 45 minutes to pause without our phones bothering us and so on, and then pay attention to what's happening in our experience. So that's kind of our practice for today for this First Noble Truth. It's an insight meditation practice. We do a lot of mindfulness meditation practices, where we're focusing on breath and body, and that's where we start today. But the way I think of insight practices is uh, very reflective, and so we'll probably make some kind of connection in this practice. Uh, Love and kindness practice is an insight practice, compassion practice, um, quite a few of the practices that traditional Buddhist um, uh, philosophy rely on are insight meditation practices. Maybe we'll do the practice and then we'll come back and chat, see what comes up with it. So, just making yourself comfortable, finding that posture that balances stability and flexibility. You might think of it as a posture of dignity. The crown is gently lifted, the eyes close. Hands resting gently on your thighs. And we'll take these first few minute, minutes to arrive in the body. Feeling our feet as they contact the floor. Feeling the body supported in the seat, experiencing the movement of the breath, letting your attention float from point to point, just like a butterfly, noting the shoulders or the hands, the back or the knees, gathering the state of affairs in this moment. might be aware of any sensations, tingling or pulsing, perhaps a numbness. And using this time to simply arrive, just put your body there and observe your experience. And to the extent you're able, staying with the body, letting go of any thoughts or emotions, just exploring any areas of the body that hold suffering or pain. feeling into the parts of the body that may have been injured or perhaps aren't quite the way you want them to be. Acknowledging these areas that hold our sorrows, in a sense. might be a throbbing in the knee or a tightness in the shoulder. See how you might bring your attention and care these parts of the body. It might be that they've been calling out to you. We haven't had the time to give them what they need. Feeling into these spaces, acknowledging, and allowing, if just for this moment. drawing your attention now to the area of the heart feeling into the heart the core of the spiritual body sensing the measure of suffering that might be there. Tapping into any emotions of sadness or anger, doubt or disgust. To the extent that it feels safe tapping into feelings of loss or grief. Notice what happens when you bring your attention to these emotions. Might find the unfinished work of the heart brings about stories. So you can bring your attention now to the mind, observing any thoughts or narratives. the uncertainty that comes with the impermanence of life each of us has these repeating stories ruminations of the mind? What's it like to honor and acknowledge whatever is coming up? There is suffering. Suffering is part of our human condition. You might now tap into the suffering of others who might be in the same types of situations that you've been in. Challenges of relationship and work, partners and children and parents. Letting yourself feel or imagine how these others must experience suffering and sorrow. We often hold ourselves behind these same walls that the Buddha was sheltered behind. And if it feels right, let it in. Be aware of the sorrows of the earth. Recognizing the suffering of all beings. Recognizing that this is part of the universal experience. There is suffering. Perhaps check in again with the heart. Notice how it opens to hold your experience. And that perhaps closes and then opens again. And in these last few minutes of practice, see how you might release this suffering. Letting it come and go. Perhaps coming back into the body or the breath. Feeling into the posture of dignity, the stability of the body and the heart and the mind. And now offering wishes of loving-kindness to all beings everywhere. Offering our practice to their benefit. May all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be safe. And may all beings be at peace.